Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free, so we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season one. I'm your host, Jess Savanko. And I'm your host, Mia Savanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 13, From Fear to Eternity. It originally aired on February 10th, 1999, and had 6.67 million viewers. Okay, so we start out this episode in a magic shop, and Prue and Phoebe are shopping together. And they see this red-haired woman behind the counter who tells them she's getting ready to close. Prue's confused because she thought that the store was open later. But the lady says that she wants to close early tonight, especially on the eve of Friday the 13th. And she actually wants to be closed by midnight. Phoebe says she's looking for a good luck charm. And Prue's like, what's the worst that can happen if you pick the wrong one? Because it's still a good luck charm. The woman asks if she wants to put it on Piper's order because I guess Piper had gotten a big order, but she says no, she'll pay separately. The good luck charm is for a job interview, we find out. The girl tells them that if they sign up for this mailing list, they can get 10% off. So Phoebe puts both their names down. And then the woman looks at them and says, if you're interested, we're having Wicca gathering this um, spring equinox. And Prue and Phoebe get really confused, and they're like, what would make you think we're interested? Woman says, most witches are. And they're really confused as to how she knows that they're witches. (laughs) Then the clock strikes 12, and the lady's freaking out and rushes them to leave. And she says that they should take this Friday the 13th thing seriously, um, especially the one this year because once every 1300 years, there's a universal convergence of negative energy on this um, Friday the 13th, and this is the year. Neither of them are very convinced, but then the clock strikes 13, and the woman's concerned, and they say goodnight, and they leave. So as Prue and Phoebe are driving off, we see smoke come out of the grate, and then this gray-haired man appeared, who, like, spreads his arms and like sniffs the air like he just (laughs) like evolves like I don't even (laughs) then he walks up to the door where Tangela's store is and as Tangela's finishing closing up and he knocks on the door and she tries to kick him out and say sorry we're closed but then he just walks right through the door Tangela freaks out and puts up this amulet, but he says that those don't work on him, and he swipes his hand across her face to kind of read something, and he read her biggest fear, and he says, your greatest fear is being buried alive in an earthquake, and then all of a sudden the room starts shaking, and she can't move because she's frozen in fear, and then she dies, but not being buried, she dies from like getting too scared, like a heart attack, So she falls to the ground and we see that her hair turns completely white and her eyes are wide open. He walks over to her list on the counter of people and he steals the names of all the people who are witches on it. 
Which I actually think was a really cool power, the way, like, he somehow was able to read, like, which ones were witches, and everyone else's name just stayed on the list. I'm, like, confused as to what his powers are, because he's also, like, we see other powers throughout the episode, but I'm, like, oh, so it's not just, like, fears. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's clear that he has some way of, like, sensing who witches are. Yeah. Um, And I guess that's how, kind of, the list thing worked. Right. But it's, like, it's interesting. But it's cool, yeah. I like the way he did that. I also will say this is probably so far my favorite demon of season one. Maybe one of my tops of the series. We'll see as we keep watching. I've always liked the demon of fear, yeah. but Me too. we'll see if I grow to like any other demons more. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, we move to the theme song. And then we are at the manor the next morning. Piper walks into like one of the downstairs rooms. I don't know what it's called. I said the foyer, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. She has this shoebox in her hands and it's full of all these little like charms and trinkets. Then all of a sudden we're over by the kitchen and her and Phoebe are walking out together. Phoebe's dressed up for her interview and they're arguing about whether she has ever said something to them. Phoebe says, whenever I say it to her, she says something like, oh, me too, or same here. And Piper's like, oh, you know what? You're right. And then Phoebe says, yeah, the girl cannot say the words, I love you. Then Prue enters the room. So we get the idea that they were talking about Prue. She tells, you know, Phoebe that the outfit she gave her looks great on her. They're kind of having a little bit of sister banter. And then they all sit down at the table together. Prue tells them that she had a wonderful dream about mom. She says that she was a little kid, four or five, and their mom was holding her hand and taking her somewhere. She felt really safe and protected in that moment. Phoebe says that she wishes that she dreamed about their mom. And Piper makes a joke and is like, mom would have to knock before she came into your dreams. Again, all these jokes about Phoebe. (laughs) Prue yawns and like Piper covers her mouth for her she's it's like a superstitious thing she says that she's gonna let the devil in if she yawns then we see that piper has all those charms again and she says she needs them for this superstition themed fundraiser that's happening at quake becomes clear that like piper believes in all these superstitions and like the bad luck of friday the 13th she even says that she met jeremy on friday the 13th and he tried to kill her prue doesn't believe in superstition at all whereas Phoebe says that she focuses on good fortune and doesn't really focus on bad luck she says that the interview she has is with a real estate agency and Piper's gonna drive her there so Phoebe says to Prue as they're leaving have a great day Prue I love you and Prue says yeah me too and both Piper and Phoebe kind of look back at her because they just confirmed what they were talking about before As they open the door to leave, Andy is standing there. They kind of like have a quick greeting with him and they're like, oh, we are running late, gotta go, whatever. And then Phoebe's like, Prue, there's a policeman here to see you. So Prue comes into the room and she's kind of like, oh, this must be bad news. Like it's a little early for a social call. And Andy is like, you're right. We've had three suspicious deaths since midnight, all single females, all under 30. Then he brings up Tangela, the bookstore owner. And is asking some questions because according to the credit card receipts, Prue was the last customer in the store. Prue says that, you know, her and Phoebe were the only ones there and that the bookstore owner was locking up as they were leaving. He asks her if the place was in order when she left and she's kind of like, yeah, like why? And then he brings up how the place was a wreck 
when they found her, but it wasn't the injuries from like the debris and stuff that killed her. She had a heart attack. Um, he tells her about, you know, the white hair and how her face was contorted in terror. And that's also what happened to the other victims. He said, if I didn't know any better, I'd say they were literally scared to death. Then he, you know, kind of comes back to Prue and is like, do you usually go to occult stores at midnight? And she tells him, you know, that Phoebe needed this good luck charm for an interview. Of course, that's not her normal behavior. And then he says, you know, that all the victims had ties to the occult and that Prue should be careful. Then we cut up to the attic where Prue is looking at the Book of Shadows and she finds a note in their mom's handwriting about the demon of fear who appears once every 1300 years. So pretty long scene. <laughs> Did you have anything to say about the whole I love you thing from Prue? Yeah, so that was really interesting to me. Yeah. It's actually something, so <laughs> little bit of a personal story, but uh, a certain love interest of mine, you know who I'm talking about, we were actually in a fight and he had said to me, I love you. And because I didn't want to say I love you back because I was mad at him, I was like, me too. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I I think that I've heard her say I love you though. Have you? I, I feel I like I need to never, look back. I can never like remember. Every time it happens, I forget about this episode and then it comes up and I'm like, wait, did she? I should have paid attention in the other episodes. Yeah, we know these writers aren't huge on continuity, so there's a good chance that she has literally said I love you to them before. But any listeners who, you know, have paid attention to that, let us know. Like, send in a DM and, like, tell us, has it happened before? Like, didn't she say I love you to Andy Um, more earlier on? I don't know. I remember him saying I love you to her, but I can't remember if she said it back or not. Wow. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because, like, even in that, like, breakup scene where they're, like, outside of his house before he mysteriously moved to the apartment building, (laughs) um, he's like, Prue, I love you, but I can't remember if she said I love Uh, you too or not. I don't think she did. I don't think so either. Wow, so maybe they actually were pretty, you know, on point with this one. Yeah. It's not typical for them. (laughs) Speaking of Prue and Andy, I like that we're, again, um, like we've been saying the last couple of episodes, we're really solidifying that he's making those connections between the sisters and, like, occult occurrences, which I'm kind of wondering how that storyline is going to keep building. Like, when is Andy going to find out they're witches? I I have a feeling it's coming, and I just, when? I mean, at this point, he, I think that's, like, I think he feels like that's the case, but he doesn't want to admit it kind of thing. I mean, even here, he's saying, you know, all the victims had ties to the occult, so be careful, kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? Like, he almost saw it coming. So, I can't wait to see how that happens, too. I really hope Andy finds out soon. Yeah. And then, of course, we just see this note in Mom's handwriting about the demon of fear. And we know how sensitive Prue, all of them, but it seems like Prue especially, especially I've noticed, is, like, very sensitive to things when it comes to Mom but, like, doesn't want to admit it. I feel like she was never able to let out her emotions about that, and she is the only one who was old enough to actually remember mom. Mm -hmm. So. I think she also had more of an understanding of, like, kind of what death was and what it meant. Like, I so I feel like her mom's death was a very different experience for her than it was for um, Piper and Phoebe, who were much, much younger. Yeah. 
No, I agree. Okay, so now we move over to Quake, and we see Piper, who's just kind of there working, setting stuff up, and Prue walks in, and there's this cute guy at another table in a red sweater, and he's just kind of standing there talking. Prue asks who he is, and Piper says, that's Lucas Devane. He's chairing the fundraiser for the Children's Hospital, and apparently he's one of the Bay Area's most eligible bachelors. And Prue wants her to go talk to him because he's looking over at her. And Piper says that she doesn't want to talk to him because of the superstition that any relationship started on Friday the 13th is doomed. But, you know, Prue says that he's still looking at her and thinks that she should. They start walking together and Prue kind of almost leads them under a ladder and Piper moves them around just another superstition she's just being very cautious when it comes to all of those right now and then Prue starts telling Piper about the demon of fear note that she found in mom's handwriting and they're both kind of talking about how it's the only thing they've ever seen written by mom in the book of shadows and then Prue's like well she must must have known that this demon would appear in our lifetime and she wanted to warn us against them so apparently the demon of fear needs to kill 13 unmarried witches by midnight and then he'll be free to kind of walk on earth and wreak havoc every day. And Prue says that she doesn't know how to kill him but does know that he kills by turning their greatest fear against them. And their mom wrote in the Book of Shadows, in the face of our greatest fear our powers are paralyzed and that they need to release their fear in order to overcome this demon. So then they start talking about how Piper is afraid of flying and Phoebe's afraid of elevators, so they both should, you know, obviously avoid those things. And then Piper's like, and then you'll stay away from, wa from water or pools, Prue. Ever since mom drowned, you've been terrified of the water, but Prue kind of dismisses this and is like, I'll be all right. And then she gets up, she isn't going to go to work. She decides that she should go based off the list that Tangela gave her and or the, the flyer that Tangela gave her and try to go warn other witches. So she's going to see this girl named Zoe whose name is on the flyer. And then Piper, of course, tries to say I love you and we see Prue not say it back again. She just says yep and leaves. <laughs> so a couple things on the scene. I think it's just like so wild that like I don't know if this is true, but according to the show, like, magazines used to publish who the most eligible bachelor yeah. in your area is. Like, what the fuck? I feel like that's super weird. Also, I love that this guy is literally just the most, like, cookie-cutter, basic white guy yeah. I've ever seen in my life. And they're like, oh, most eligible bachelor in town. It's, like, literally season one of The Bachelor type of guy. <laughs> yeah. He is very basic. I mean, he's a cute guy. He's cute. No, I'm not saying he's unattractive. I'm just, like, it's so funny that, of course, that's who they picked yeah. to be, like, the most eligible the most bachelor. eligible bachelor. But he's into Piper, which is understandable. Yeah. I would be, too. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, their fears, the demon of fear thing, this is just setting up a lot of the plot for the storyline. Yeah. Again, continuing that Prue can't say I love you trope that we established in the last scene. Mm -hmm. So then from there, we cut to a real estate office where Phoebe is sitting down and she's in an interview with this blonde woman. Phoebe is kind of laying it on thick. She's saying, you know, she's excited for the chance to work with a successful woman. If I want to be a success, who better to learn from, right? 
And the woman is totally eating that up. She's like, oh, I love that answer. (laughs) Um, And, you know, as Phoebe's doing this, she has the good luck and charm in her hand and she's kind of playing with it, touching it. The woman hires her and asks her if she could start that same day. Phoebe says yes. That's when this like man enters and we find out that the blonde woman is going to go off somewhere with him. And she's asking Phoebe to kind of like stay and handle the phones and everything. And then she kind of ends that conversation with, if my husband calls, I'll need you to cover for me. And like Phoebe seems really uncomfortable with this, but it's like, oh yeah, okay, like I'll do it. Yeah, like pressured into that. Yeah. Doesn't really know how to go about that situation. I really like that Prue isn't, I mean, Phoebe isn't like happy or okay with this. Like, I feel like a lot of people would just be like, ah, whatever, you know, it's not my concern. But I love that Phoebe has morals and she just, you know, at least make, like, it sucks, but obviously she's not happy about this. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And it kind of brings me back to that episode one plot line where like, you know, Roger had accused Phoebe of like trying something with him, yeah. even though he was Prue's fiance. Mm-hmm. And like, this just tells me that like something like that would be so against Phoebe's morals. Yeah. Because like, if she wouldn't lie for a stranger, she definitely wouldn't betray her sister. Exactly. Like so it's like very clear that like, this is something that Phoebe is like very set on. And like, honestly, very being against nice. cheating is a good moral yeah, to have. No, definitely. So, like, definitely. I mean, it would definitely make me uncomfortable. I don't I don't know what I would do in a situation like that. Because you're like, well, I need a job, but like, oh God. I yeah, need- like if this was my literal dream job, right? And like my boss was like, Yeah, if my husband calls, like you maybe need to I'd lie just for try me, to like, avoid it. I wouldn't know what to do. And I think that's what Phoebe does at first, right? Um, and we'll see what happens when the situation yeah. comes up. But I think Phoebe's kind of thinking the same thing. She's like, oh, well, hopefully he'll just never call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully I'll just never have to worry about it. Also, the whole interview thing, Phoebe's just milking it. And this blonde woman is eating it. I mean, I yeah, I guess that's how it normally would go. But I would, I probably wouldn't act that like, oh, my God, look at she's so successful. Like, how else am I going to learn? I feel like interviews are so awkward. Like, I never know what to say. I'm always just like, yeah, like, these are my experiences. Like, I know, like, this is why I'm qualified for this job. You have my resume. Most of my interviews that I've been on have been less of us talking about, you know, my work and everything and more of them just kind of getting to know me. Yeah. And asking me questions about my life, you know, school, everything. Except for one where they pretty much focused on, like, you know, work and everything, and I was like, oh, this must be what a real interview is like, or something. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I work in higher education, that's not a secret, and most of the interviews I've done at, like, different colleges and things, they ask a lot of questions, you know, about my previous teaching experience, they kind of ask about my classroom philosophy, things like that, which obviously makes sense for those types of interviews, Mm -hmm. how I deal with different types of situations, so it is like that, but I'm not sitting there, like, kissing their ass, kind of like Phoebe was trying to do. Uh, situation examples or situation questions make me so like my favorite was when I would interview for like you know jobs like one time I interviewed to work at European Wax Center and they were like what's the hardest situation you ever had with a customer I was like yeah at a wax center (laughs) what do you think is gonna happen here (laughs) they'll give you like a really specific scenario and then be like how would you go about it and you're like um 
how would you go about that? Like, it doesn't, yeah, like, when is that working ever, for you? Yeah, what like, what that? am I supposed to do in that situation? <laughs> when is that ever going to happen, you know? The uh, best is, do you remember, have you ever had to fill out, like, one of those surveys for a job online where I'd be like, you see your coworker stealing, what do you do? And there's, like, multiple choice answers. Yes, and you're like, okay, like, let me just pick the most obvious one. Yeah, because, like, what's the real answer? I'm not going to snitch on somebody, yeah. so, like, what do you think? Like, I'm not really gonna, maybe we're screwing ourselves over for future job interviews with this podcast. Uh, but, so now we are at this apartment complex, and we see this woman in her apartment, and she's kind of trimming a tree, she's got incense burning, she's got, like, a whole kind of setup, you can, it's pretty obvious she's a witch, and then the demon of fear appears behind her, and she pretty much expects him to be there and she says I thought you might come there's nothing for you here and the demon says oh you could not be more wrong witch you're all alone that's all I need and she says pretty confidently you have no power over me I've evolved to a place where I've released all mortal fears and then he kind of makes a face and wipes his hand you know swipes his hand over her face and then we see that her candle flames that are lit behind her start getting higher and then go to the ground and start surrounding her in a big fire. And she says, or he says, you didn't release your fear of fire, you only repressed it. And then flames start growing around her. And at this point, she is freaking out. And he's like, so happy that this is going on, just eating this up. And then he says, save it for another lifetime. You're frozen in fear. And she's screaming and, you know, dying. And then outside the door, Prue starts knocking and hears her scream in there. So she uses her power to open the door. But by the time Prue gets in there, it's too late. Flames are gone. The demon is gone. And there's just a circle of ash around her instead of fire. She's dead and her hair is white like the other one yep so I really liked this witch I really liked her confidence obviously you know she didn't actually release her fears but I really like this idea that she knew that the demon of fear was coming this year the same way Changella did and so what she worked on was trying to release all her fear so that he Mm -hmm. wouldn't have any power over her yeah Um, I think that's a really cool idea unfortunately she failed at that I know um but I mean it, it can't be that easy to just get rid of your fears you know I have so many irrational fears and like I it's so hard like like I feel like once once you get rid of one really bad fear like then wouldn't second place just take first place you know what I mean yeah like it doesn't I feel like that'd be really difficult but I mean the fact that she worked on it and was confident about this and tried to tried to kind of be able to defend herself in this moment or at least keep herself alive like good for her too bad it didn't work yeah and I think this is only the second time in the series that we're meeting like other witches and it sucks that they're all just dying as we're meeting them dying as we go along so we are at the apartment again but obviously some time has passed and CSU is there police are there and Daryl of course is kneeling by the body welcome back Daryl it's been two episodes we missed you then Andy walks up in some really dirty converse and Daryl gives him a dirty look and kind of 
starts making fun of them a little bit. And then he starts filling him in on what happened and says her heart just gave out just like the others. Andy basically says that those are his lucky shoes and Daryl obviously thinks they're very embarrassing. And then Daryl steps away to talk to a cop and Andy looks at the body. Daryl comes back after talking to the man and he says the doorman keeps a log of visitors want to guess who the last one to see the victim was. And of course, it was Prue. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. She's always involved. Uh, you know, there are two people who are always involved in the crimes in San Francisco. One is Andy and the other is Prue. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, again, you know, we've been talking about it most of the season. The Andy and Daryl banter is amazing. I love their chemistry together. I love their interactions. This um, whole um, him wearing his lucky converse thing, I mean, that was never mentioned before. So I'm thinking he must be wearing it as, like, a superstitious Friday the 13th thing as well. Yeah. Which is, like, more of a reason that's, like, okay, Andy obviously has some type of belief over these things, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's also funny because, like, it's, I love seeing, you know, because I think that naturally we're, like, attracted to people who are familiar to us. Yeah. And so kind of the way, like, Piper's really superstitious, right? And, like, Prue obviously has a good connection with her sister. Yeah. Um, and then Andy kind of has that same thing, so maybe it's something, like, familiar to her that kind oh, of drew yeah. them together, you know what I mean? Maybe. I guess I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, so um, from there we move to Quake, and we see Prue, Piper, and Phoebe sitting at a table, and she kind of says that, you know, she's telling them about the dead woman Zoe and she says that she just called 911 and then she left she didn't want Andy to know that she was there she says that she can't get her face out of her mind the way she looked so fearful and Phoebe's kind of like well what do we do about the other witches and Phoebe uh, Prue says that she stole Zoe's day planner and she's going to make some phone calls hope that some of them are witches and she can warn them about what's coming Prue knocks over some salt on the table and Piper's like, oh my God, like you need to throw it over your shoulder. And Prue's like, that's so stupid. No. <laughs> and then Piper's like, well, my feeling is you can never be too rich or too safe. And that's when Phoebe notices like this little ladybug flies onto this plant on the table. And Phoebe says, you know, Graham's once told me whatever direction a ladybug flies in, you can find your ideal mate. So she kind of like flicks the leaf and the ladybug flies away from them and lands on Lucas's shirt. And Prue and Piper are kind of like exchanging these looks and Phoebe's like, what's going on? So Prue tells her that, you know, he's been trying to talk to Piper all day and she's been avoiding him. And just then a waiter bumps into Prue and spills like um, water all over her. Piper says, see, you should have thrown that salt. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Prue's like, well, I need to go home and change. So she gets up to leave. And Phoebe's like, be careful. I love you. And Prue's like, yeah, and leaves. And Phoebe and Piper sit back down at the table. Piper's like, all right. So she can't say it. Maybe she's afraid it'll make her look too vulnerable. Ever since mom died, you know, she had to be the strong one to take care of us. It's probably just all part of that. Phoebe's kind of like, yeah, okay. And she tells Piper that she needs to go back to work. She tells her that the job is great, except that her new boss wants her to lie to her husband about her affair. And Piper's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? And Phoebe isn't sure. Piper wishes her good luck. Phoebe leaves. That's when Lucas walks over to Piper's table and asks her if she wants to get dinner after the fundraiser. At first, she's kind of like, oh, like, I don't know, whatever. And then eventually she's like, the ladybug lands on him again. Mm -hmm. So she's like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's do it. Yeah took it as a sign 
I feel like that's me. I'm always looking for signs about things. You know, oh, yeah, I'd be you telling are you always looking for like, signs. This is a sign. I'm more of a, you know, whatever happens, happens kind of person. Like, trying not to think too hard about things. I feel like Piper is being a bit over the top with these. And I remember earlier in the episode, Phoebe, I think, or Prue, one of them had said that, you know, the reason all these bad things keep happening on Friday the 13th is because people put energy into believing that they will. And it seems like Piper's kind of doing that to herself um, by, like, convincing herself that if she makes one wrong move, you know, superstition-wise, that everything's going to start falling apart for her. But really, it's probably would usually just be like any other normal day, you know? Okay, so now we go back to the real estate office, Phoebe's job, and she is sitting at the desk, and she's flipping her little good luck charm coin, and she says, heads I tell them the truth, tails it's a lie, and of course it lands standing up right in between the two. Physically impossible, unhinged. (laughs) She's like, well, that was really helpful, and then all of a sudden the phone rings, and as she's going to pick up the phone, she knocks over a bottle of water, and touches the water and gets a premonition of Prue drowning in the shower and she kind of hangs up the phone and you know starts freaking out and rushing back to the manor or oh okay so well first she tries to call Prue after she hangs up the phone because obviously she doesn't want Prue to drown but Prue doesn't pick up and as the phone is ringing at the manor we see Phoebe on the voice machine or we hear her on the voice machine, and the demon of fear is there, and he kind of swipes over the phone, um, like he's stealing some information from that too, with Phoebe's voicemail, and then we see him walking upstairs, and we see Phoebe hang up, and start leaving to go to the house, because Pre didn't answer. So I think it's a little bit of a reach that she touches a water bottle and gets that premonition, but we'll, we'll let it slide for now. Yeah, it was pretty... And the fact that, you know, the heads or tails thing, it landed on its side, like, all right, when has that ever happened? I remember watching this here, I was really confused as to what he was doing with his, like, the voice machine. And, you know, obviously I didn't realize till later, like, oh, that's why he did that. Like, yeah. he never understood it. Yeah, I mean, it's because, you know, it had the caller ID so he could get the information about her job and go find her there, or, like, call there later. Oh, I was thinking because he needed her voice. <laughs> what do you mean? Like he had her voice. Now he, um, how so else he would he have known what she sounded her? like? Yeah. But he doesn't use her voice until way later. Like when they're physically already together. Yeah. I mean, I figured I know it was the, to get the SWA properties information, but I guess I missed that. I guess. How did he... Because, like, think about it. He uses a random voice when he calls Phoebe, and then he uses Phoebe's voice way later I guess when he you're already right. has I guess her you're right. with him. All right. Well, then I'm just being an idiot. Forget what I said. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like I, like, insulted you. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So then we're at the manor. We're inside the bathroom. Prue is kind of in the shower. Her eyes are closed. The demon of fear is standing there and just, like, watching her. Ew. She opens her eyes and, like, she sees him standing there and she, like, backs herself against the wall. And, you know, he does his little swipe thing and he's like, your greatest fear is drowning. Thank you for making this (laughs) so easy. 
And it's one of those like standing showers if you didn't watch the episode that has like the glass doors around it. And all of a sudden water starts filling from the bottom and she's freaking out. So I guess because the Charmed Ones are more powerful, she's not frozen in place like the other ones were. So she's, you know, turning off the water. She's moving around. She tries to use her powers on him, but those are what's frozen by her fear. She can't use her magic. So she starts panicking and she's drowning as the water starts filling up higher and higher. Outside of the manor, we see Andy and Daryl are approaching the house. And, you know, Andy's kind of saying, I'm sure there's a logical explanation why Prue was involved with this. And Daryl's like, you mean this time or every other time? (laughs) So they ring the doorbell. And just as the doorbell rings, Prue screams and they both run into the house. We're back up in the bathroom and the demon of fear disappears. The water drains from the shower and Prue's just standing there like terrified. They both have their guns drawn because, you know, they assume someone's there with her and that's why she screamed. And as they see it's just her, they kind of put their guns back and Andy asks her if she's okay. Um, and she says that she doesn't know. Daryl's immediately uncomfortable, you know, she's <laughs> naked. Andy's like, just chilling. I mean, <laughs> normal to him. He hasn't seen before. <laughs> and uh, Daryl's kind of like trying to get Andy to leave the room with him. And then he's kind of like, you know, like, come on. And Andy says like one more thing to Prue. And then he's like, I'll wait for you downstairs so she can like get dressed and stuff. So he leaves and closes the door. She grabs her towel, gets out of the shower, and there's still a little bit of water at the bottom, which kind of, like, comes out onto the floor. And she still looks very, like, freaked out um, by the whole experience. So, obviously, I wonder what was going through their head when they went upstairs and saw that Prue was just by herself in the shower, you know? Like, what could have happened if this woman is all alone in her house? But she's, like, obviously terrified. Like, she looked really scared in that moment Mm -hmm. and I like that you know they both kind of were like okay well you know she's naked in the shower let's just let's (laughs) give her a minute you know yeah I love the little comments that Daryl always throws in there like saying you know why is she involved in this every time yeah and I think I'm gonna say that by the end of this episode because of everything that Andy is doing for Prue I think I'm very close to forgetting Andy by the end of this episode yeah Yeah, no, no, he's definitely, you can tell that he really cares, and he's showing that now, making up for everything he did before. Yeah. Still without an apology. I think it's a little crazy that, you know, like, he reacted so strongly out of anger, and it does make me worry about that part of his personality, too, but I think we're seeing in these last few episodes that the good in him is definitely outweighing that bad. Not to say that, you know, like, abusive people who abuse their power should be forgiven because they have good parts of their personality. Right. But I think we are seeing, like, kind of that fade away Mm -hmm. and this kind of, like, understanding and desire to learn more about what is actually going on here, kind of overcoming that side. Before, it was more of, like, frustration because he couldn't figure it out and couldn't get it out of her. You can see now that he's a lot more, like, okay, she doesn't want to tell me. I have to understand that. I have to respect that, you know? Yeah. Okay, so now we are downstairs in the manor. Andy, Daryl, and Prue are in the living room after she just got out of the shower, and she's still, you know, in her shower towel over her head and robe. And then Andy says, you know, so what were you screaming about? And Prue says, I told you I had soap in my eyes. Like, okay. And she, they ask why she was at the apartment, and she tells them that she was there because Zoe collected occult items, and she was interested in selling them to the auction house. And then they ask when she got there if Zoe was alive or dead, 
and Prue said that she was dead. Andy gets like really angry that she didn't leave her name kind of. He's like, why didn't you leave your name? And she was like, well, because I wanted to avoid this and I and that um, she didn't want them suspecting her of being involved because she's not. And then Andy's like, well, if you were in my shoes, what would you think? And Prue makes a little joke and says, first of all, nobody should be in those shoes. But if I were, uh, I would never think you had anything to do with this. And even there, Daryl's like, told you. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy just kind of is really concerned about her. And then she's like, and explaining all the weirdness that's going on with what Prue's saying. And she says, you know, I told you I had soap in my eyes. And Andy's like, that wasn't pain on your face. That was fear. And then that's when Phoebe bursts through the door and sees Andy and Daryl in the living room and says hi and like asks if everything is okay. And then they're both like, yeah. And Daryl says that they're done. So they both leave. And then Prue is like, Phoebe, you would not believe what happened to me, but Prue or Phoebe tells her about how she saw it. And then as Prue takes her hair out of this towel, we see that there's a white streak in it and she looks in the mirror. They're both kind of scared and concerned. So I really like the way that Daryl and Andy are interacting with Prue in this scene. It feels a lot more professional than in some previous interviews we've seen mm-hmm. with the three of them. And I like that they are now operating out of this place for, of concern as opposed to this place of anger, right? right. Um, he's worried about Prue, which I feel like is how he should have been from the first time something like this was going on. Yeah, like we saw in the other one, he was pretty less concerned about her safety and more trying to um like accuse her of something even though there was I mean here we see a lot more reason for him to be able to accuse her than we did in the other episode where someone tried to kill her and he was trying to accuse her you know what I mean yeah like that didn't make any sense to me and it was obviously all out of anger which I do appreciate that he's more consistently being supportive and like helpful but also like you know you should never do something like that out of anger in the first place. Like you shouldn't pick and choose mm-hmm. when to be logical. That's what I think. But you know. And we all know I've been very anti-Andy like all these episodes. Yeah. But I will say one thing. I kind of now that someone was keeping secrets for me, um, a little <laughs> bit understand where Andy was coming from in those moments. Because like sometimes when you feel like someone's lying to you again and again and again and again, you just like have to know that truth. And like this like, Thing kind of builds up in you and I think that's where he was at yeah so while I don't like the way that he abused his power I do understand kind of where that anger and that like need to know yeah. kind of boiled over right no yeah you're right I understand that too I think in that sense I'd probably be pretty determined to turn to find out the truth as well and it almost was like he didn't want to you know do those things to her that he did abuse his power arrest her whatever but it was like, he was like, this is the last, my last straw. Like, this is the only way, only other way I can think of to yeah. get her to just finally be honest with me. Like, I feel like I wish he would have done something more like what a normal person would do in a relationship where they think someone's hiding secrets, like go through her journal, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. something like that to find out what's going on, as opposed to like, let me arrest her for stealing a feather. Let me like degrade her in front of other people you know what I mean exactly um but here we see the concern for him yeah so we walk we go up to the attic 
and Phoebe and Prue walk in together. Phoebe wants to take another look at the Book of Shadows to see if they miss something. As they're walking in, Prue kind of comments how she's smelling the sandalwood smell and that it reminds her of a fragrance that their mom used to wear. Phoebe's over at the book and she's on the page about the demon of fear. And she says, wait, I thought you said there was nothing about releasing your fear. And that's when Prue kind of walks over to take a look. And we see that there's this new line added below. And it says, to let go of your fear, trust in the greatest of all powers. And Prue's like, that wasn't there this morning. And they start talking about what the greatest of all powers might be. Phoebe's like, well, is it the power of three? But they're not sure. And Prue says that she can feel like their mom's presence around them. And Phoebe's kind of like, uh, yeah, a lot of weird stuff happened to you today. Maybe you should like go to work because I think the demon only attacks when you're alone. So if you're around other people, you should be safe. And Prue kind of agrees to that. And Phoebe's like, I love you. And Prue's like, me too. And Phoebe kind of finally comments on it. She's like, why do you do that? You never say I love you to me. And Prue's kind of like, I just did. And Phoebe's like, no, you said me too. And you never say it to Piper either. Have you ever said I love you to anybody? And we kind of see like this look on Prue's face that she's like kind of thinking and considering it. And then she says, yeah, I said it to mom. It was the last thing I said to her before she died. And that's kind of this moment of understanding for Phoebe where Phoebe kind of hugs her and, you know, we get why Prue does that. Yeah. I feel like we are seeing a lot of little hints of their mom thrown throughout the episode and I wonder if that's gonna you know play into later but I kind of like the way they're just kind of slowly including more and more about their mother like the whole I love you thing from the beginning of the episode and you know now we know why and it's because of that Prue has this dream about their mom and you know can smell her see her presence the lines like this is something that a passage she wrote in the book of shadows so I feel like, you know, the way they had that play into the episode is really cute and, like, subtle. And the way that, you know, Prue's greatest fear is also, like, connected to their mom and her Yeah, death. connected to the way that her mom did die, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, it is pretty understandable, it being since it was the last thing she had said to their mom. And now Phoebe finally understands where that cup is coming from, that she doesn't say it. And I feel like understands that, you know... If you're not ready to say something like that, then no one's going to make you do that. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, we find out how they need to get rid of him is trust in the greatest of all powers. But obviously they don't and we still don't know what that is. So now we move over to Quake and this Piper is kind of walking around and there's this waitress who's dressed as a black cat and crosses her path and Piper kind of moves her and is like, no, don't walk. Don't cross my path like that. But then she goes to pick something up off the ground, and as Piper does that, she rips her skirt. And then she walks into the kitchen to start lighting, or to start this whole, what's it called, sage? Sage, To start saging the room. And Doug walks up to her in the kitchen, asks if she's okay, and says that she seems tense. And she says, well, it just seems that ever since I agreed to have dinner with Lucas, I've had a run of bad luck. She says how she broke a nail, how the shipment of clams was late, she had to fire a hostess, and she just ripped her skirt. And then Doug leaves, and she lights the sage up and starts kind of reading a spell, almost tries to be secretive about it, like she's not in a kitchen with a million other chefs, and also, like, you should not be doing that in a kitchen, like, where you're serving food, but okay. 
and then as she's doing that the fire alarm goes off from the smoke and then everybody's looking around for you know where the smoke's coming from so she puts it out really quick in this boiling water and burns her hand on the water as she does it she's like it is just not my day so I think here, you know, we're really just picking up on more of Piper's superstition, kind of seeing the way that, you know, kind of like you mentioned that Prue suggested earlier in the episode that the reason all this bad luck is happening to her is probably because she believes in it so yeah. strongly. She's putting all this negative energy into it. And ever since, you know, ever since she agreed to dinner with Lucas, obviously she's been pretty like iffy about it, like still not sure if she should or shouldn't. Now all this bad stuff is happening. Yeah. So then from there, we go back to the real estate office. Phoebe is sitting at the desk, and this man enters looking for Susan, which we find out is the blonde woman's name. I like how she's been in so many scenes, but we never knew her name. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and Phoebe's kind of like, oh, she's not here, but I can tell her you come, you came by. Like, what's your name? Whatever. He tells her, and we see that it's Susan's husband. And he's like, I thought I'd surprise her and take her to dinner. Do you know where she is? And he was like, oh, yeah, she went out. And he's like, yeah, like, where do you know <laughs> and like it's very awkward between them and then she's kind of like I can't do this I'm sorry Mr. Warner I can't be the assistant your wife wants without compromising my beliefs she says you know she starts writing a note to quit and says that she's going to lock up before she leaves he says thank you for not lying to me about Susan's affair and he was kind of like oh you knew and he says you know I've been trying to deny it for some time now but I guess there comes a time when you have to face the truth Phoebe tells him she's sorry. He's kind of like, you know, don't quit on my account. And she's like, no, I'm not. And he leaves. She puts down the note she was writing. And just as she's about to leave, the phone starts ringing. There's like this older woman on the other end of the phone who asks where Susan is. She says she's at this house. Um, Susan was supposed to show it to her. She flew in from LA just to see it. And Phoebe says, you know what? Like, I can show you the property. And she asks for the address. And that's how that scene ends. So I feel like here, you know, like we said before, we see Phoebe's morals shine through and how she would actually never be okay with that idea of, lo like, like loyalty is obviously important to her, this whole no cheating thing and at least not, you know, wanting to even be a part of it or cover up for her. I would feel pretty bad in a situation too. Like, I think if he had come up to me and I would have to lie to him like he seems like this sweet guy like just poor guy has no clue that his wife is cheating you know I don't know and I feel like it's one of those things like because you know he does know but he's been in denial about it and yeah. I feel like that's very realistic in mm -hmm. like a situation like that I feel like especially you know like in a marriage where like you know you've built your whole life around this person so it's harder to just be like you know what like I know they're doing this thing so he wants to like and you can see it the way he's kind of showing up for this impromptu dinner. Like he wants to kind of save this relationship yeah. to make it work. Um, and that's what kind of makes it sadder. And I feel like that's really what did it for Phoebe, right? This guy is so clearly trying um, in this work. marriage. Yeah. And meanwhile, like Susan is off on like some afternoon getaway with her boyfriend or whatever. He yes. Is. Yeah, no, that's, it is pretty sad. I think I probably would have ended up saying something too. Yeah. I don't think I could handle the guilt from that okay so now we move to the property that phoebe is supposed to be showing this woman and she arrives there and she walks up to the gate looking for miss joffy who's the woman and she goes into the backyard calling her name and looking around for her and then the demon of fear appears behind her and uses the woman's voice 
at first to say, you know, hello, dear, thanks so much for coming out. But then she turns around and sees that it's him. And he grabs her and she's like, I know how you kill. There are no elevators around here. And he says, elevators, that's what you think your greatest fear is. You mortals need to look deeper. Where the real truth lies, your greatest fear is losing a sister. And I get two for one. So I really like that line, especially following in the last scene where like Susan's husband said you know there's a time where you have to face the truth and Mm -hmm. then right in this next scene Phoebe has to face the truth about what her greatest fear actually is I thought that was a really like smart connection the writers made there and it's funny how all of their fears seem to be like you know the first one Tangela was being buried alive in an earthquake the second one was fire and then Prue's water which I mean she's got reason behind that because of their mother too But, like, the way Phoebe's is so personal and deep, you know, losing a sister, which, like we've talked about before, the way that Phoebe's kind of the most emotional one, even though she's, like, that free wild child, we've always been able to see those little signs that she craves this relationship with her sisters and she craves that connection from a mother or, like, a loved one that she never really got growing up. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that these other witches who we're kind of seeing as these solitary practitioners, their fears are very much normal mortal fears, right? You know, Prue's is very much linked to their mother. Phoebe's is linked to her sisters. And it makes me wonder, had we seen Piper face the demon of fear, would her fear have actually been flying or would it have been something connected to the family as well? Yeah. Because I feel like family, you know, is such a theme in the show and such an important thing to these characters that we've been examining. I wish that I could... Like, they could have included Piper in this whole Demon of Fear thing. I feel like she wasn't even involved at all, you know? Like, she didn't see any of it Yeah, no, she down. was the B-plot this episode. Yeah, <laughs> she was the B-plot this entire episode. But usually they at least, like, you know, connect and discuss things together. Mm-hmm. And we'll all, like, at least see him. But she never even... So, I don't know. I wish they did include her because it would have been cool to see her fear as well, I think. But mm-hmm. overall, still amazing episode. Love it. so we go to Buckland and Prue is on the phone with the witch and she's warning her about you know avoiding the demon of fear and then during this another call comes through and it's Phoebe saying that she's stuck at a house she was showing and she asked Prue for a ride home and Prue's like yeah like I'll come get you right now And then back at the house, we see that over the phone, it's actually the demon of fear calling using Phoebe's voice and that Phoebe is tied up, shaking and crying behind him. So that's just pushing the plot forward. I don't really have much to say there. So then from there, we go to a scene at Quake where Lucas and Piper are sitting down eating. So he took her on a date at the restaurant she works at. Very romantic. You can see why he's so eligible. I know. (laughs) Most eligible bachelor. They really hate paying for other sets in the show. Like, no one has ever eaten anywhere but Quake in their entire lives. So, you know, then Piper's saying how she's glad that he suggested this. And he says, you know, I almost didn't. He said that earlier in the day, he was kind of getting this sense that she was turned off to him and wouldn't want him to ask her out. He's kind of going through all these things about him. He's like, yeah, you know, like, making fun of the article and talking about how, like, his real... He wants a family. He wants to settle down. He loves his nieces so much. All these things. And to Piper, he's sounding like this really perfect guy. And she's like, there's no way. So she freezes him and she 
opens his wallet where she finds, you know, a picture and a note from his nieces. And like, she's like, wow, he really is too good to be true and kind of puts the wallet back. And then she decides to be honest with him. She says, so your instinct about me this morning was right. I was sort of sending out these negative vibes. Um, She tells him about the superstitions, that it's bad luck to meet someone on Friday the 13th, but then also that there was this ladybug thing. And you could tell by his face that he's just like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? (laughs) So then he, you know, is like, you know what? This is way too much for me. My ex was like this with superstition too. And he's not going to let someone who lets omens determine their lives, like be his partner. He just doesn't see that working out for him. So they have to end the date basically. Yeah. So poor Piper just lost the most eligible bachelor in San Francisco. I don't know why I have such a hard time. Not even just in San Francisco, in the entire Bay Area. (laughs) Oh, the whole Bay Area. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But it is kind of funny that he's such a good catch, and the only reason it didn't work out is because of Piper and these superstitions that she fed way too much into. I don't know that this is very important scene. I feel like it's just a filler kind of thing. Yeah. Piper's little side story. We again just kind of see, like, you know, that superstitiousness kind of, like, biting her in the ass. Yeah. I will say, I remember we brought it up in the episode where Leo left, so like four episodes back now probably, whether Piper and Leo were single now that he left town, and I guess the answer is very clearly yes, because Piper's been kind of having these other romantic interactions in these other episodes. Mm -hmm. Is Leo coming back? I hope so. Like, where is he at? Come back, Leo. Leo, Um, We don't care about this eligible bachelor. This is not our ship. (laughs) So now we go back to the property and Prue approaches and she comes in through the back gate because in Phoebe's voice, the demon is still telling her to come back there. Then Prue is standing near the pool in the yard and she turns around and she sees Phoebe tied up. Then the demon of fear comes up and just pretty much immediately pushes her into the pool. And now she's at the bottom of the pool and the demon says, that's right, feed me your fear. At the bottom of the pool, she can't really get herself back up right now, and this light appears around Prue, and it starts kind of, and we see this figure who starts kind of saying her name, and then there's this woman in a white dress who appears and tells her that she needs to face her fears and trust in the greatest of all powers, love. And she said, save yourself, save your sister, and Prue obviously can see that that's their mother. And she puts out her hand and Prue reaches out and grabs it. And her mom kind of pulls her up to the surface and Prue comes above the water and then, you know, is back to reality and swims to the edge. And she looks at the demon and says, it's over. And she uses her power to throw him to the ground, climbs out. He looks at her kind of confused because no one's over ever beaten him with his fear before. And she says, I'm not afraid anymore. And this was enough for him to just completely fall apart because he starts screaming, no, and then just kind of goes poof into red fire and smoke, whatever. And then she goes over to Phoebe, who like whose ropes just kind of disappeared when the demon died. And she they hug each other and she's like, I was so scared. And Prue's like, I know, but you're safe now. And then Phoebe's like, well, I don't know what would happen if I ever lost you. I love you. And then Prue says, I love you back for the first time ever. And they're both hugging and smiling and, you know, 
laughing all happy. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the emotional aspects of this scene, I have a couple like technical things I want to talk about a little bit. It must have been really hard to shoot this for Shannon Darty because it's really hard to stay like at the bottom of water yeah. like that. Like if you try to stay at the bottom of a pool, it's really hard. Yeah. So like props to her for being able to film that and like kind of make it seem semi-realistic. I know. Like how did they have her staying like all the way at the ground? And she was literally like swimming around too, you know, pretending like she was trying to swim back up. And like, I feel like I would have such a hard time actually staying on the bottom like that cannot be easy at all. Yeah. Special effects weren't horrible here. I kind of liked the Demon of Fear's death. It wasn't too, um, too campy. Like it had, it had an okay feel to it. So I appreciated that. And, you know, of course, everything with their mother, it's very, it's very sweet. It's very, um, you know, sentimental, which I think Mm -hmm. is one of the vibes of this episode. But yeah, I liked that. Um, I like that the greatest of all powers is love, which again connects us to that Prue can't say I love you thing. Yeah. That's been a theme of the episode. And you know, of course, that I love you moment is a very cute moment between yeah. the two of them. I mean, the first time she ever said I love you to Phoebe, that's beautiful. And it's all because her mom, you know, her mom passing away, drowning through water, started her fear of the ocean. Like, I love how it all connects, like, started her fear of water and um this whole idea of her not being able to say I love you and then here her mom comes back you know she has that dream that her mom is pulling her and taking her somewhere and then here we have her mom pulling her and taking her to the surface Mm -hmm. and telling her you know love you need to conquer your fear which is like water you know and that love is the way to do it and that she needs to open her heart to her sisters and everyone around her and can't just be closed off because of what happened to her mother you know Mm -hmm. So then we go to the manor where Piper is sitting by the fireplace and she's throwing all her little charms and trinkets from the beginning of the episode into it. I know I said it when we were watching yeah. it, but like, why are people at shows always throwing things that don't <laughs> burn just into the fire? Like, you're just gonna have to clean that up later. It's not gonna burn. It. It's metal. <laughs> but whatever. Phoebe and Prue come in and, you know, they're like, oh, like, what's going on? And she's like, I just lost probably the greatest catch in San Francisco. He doesn't like women who rely on superstitions to make decisions. And I'm not so sure she's wrong. So, you know, Piper did learn this little lesson here. And then Phoebe goes on to tell her that Prue vanquished the demon of fear, or at least, you know, sent him back to wherever he came from for the next 1300 years. They tell her what happened in the pool. And Prue says that, you know, it was their mom who helped her to get out. And she knows it sounds crazy. Piper says that doesn't sound crazy. I wish I could have seen her. And Phoebe's like, me too. And then Piper goes over to hug Prue and Prue says, I love you to Piper. And Piper's kind of like, what did he just say? Like, you've never said that to me before. And, you know, they're all smiling and like, she kind of looks at Phoebe a little bit. And then Prue explains to her that, you know, she said it to mom. She didn't want to lose anyone else. And Piper's like, well, we're not going anywhere. And then Prue decides that she's going to go up to bed, says goodnight to them. And then once Prue's gone, Piper asks Phoebe what happened to Prue in the pool. And Phoebe says, I don't know, but whatever it was, it must have been incredible. I think the ending there looked like super sentimental, cute, but so, so corny. (laughs) So much. Like, it's just so unrealistic. What happened to her in there? I don't know, but it must have been amazing. Like, I was like, all right, guys, we get it. But generally, this is a really cute part. And also, you know, pretty much them just going over the same thing again but with Piper we 
obviously could have assumed the reason she wasn't saying I love you. The last thing she said to their mother was that, and then she lost her, you know? You don't want to, like, it's kind of like that idea of even in relationships when you don't want to say I love you or, like, admit you, how you actually feel because you're scared that in the end it's going to come back and bite you in the ass because people are going to leave or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> so obviously that was a big, a big thing for Prue too. So it almost feels like to me though, that, I mean, I guess I get it, but that could have been Prue's greatest fear. Like it kind of would make a lot of sense for her greatest fear to be losing someone else too, seeing as how much it all affected her. But then again, she did watch her mother drown. So, (laughs) so I'm sure that was more traumatizing in her head. And I feel like that's kind of a fear for all of them, right? Like, I don't think it's just Phoebe's fear. Yeah, no, of course. But I think he was able to play up that really strong physical fear for Prue to kind of affect both Prue and Phoebe. Yeah. And that's kind of why the demon of fear went that way with it. That route, yeah, exactly. Now we are back in the attic and the clock is ticking and Prue is sitting upstairs with the book, with the book of shadows in her lap. And she's on the Demon of Fear page. And at the bottom, we see, you know, it kind of sparkles and starts spelling something out like her mom is writing more. And then we see the words, thanks for letting them into your heart appear and are kind of like spoken over the audio. And then Prue kind of touches the page and she's like, I miss you, mom. And that's how the episode ends. So again, just like the last scene, it's just kind of this cute little sentimental ending that happens. I don't really have too much to say as far as that scene. Do you have anything you want to say? Not really. I feel like the last three scenes are all pretty much the same, giving us all the same idea mm-hmm. throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I will say this is one of my favorite episodes. I remember when we did our intro episode, I did name this as one of my top mm-hmm. 10 episodes. I love this episode. I love this demon. I love the moments with the sisters and you know kind of looking back I was like hmm, will the episodes I named as my favorites will I still like them when we rewatch them and I definitely still really love this episode. yeah because I know I know you know with the whole um <clears throat> the last episode the Wendigo episode I never named it as one of my favorites because it's you know it's not one of my favorites my top 10 but I do really really love that episode I always have and then watching it again I realized like you know when we looked at it from an analytical aspect and like behind it, like we really did crap on it a lot more than I expected. So I wonder if that's going to happen with future episodes that I, you know, also consider one of my favorites. So I'm excited to see about that. Me too. But yeah, no, um, this is a really good episode. I, I liked our conversation. I liked everything that happened. Uh, I don't have anything negative to say at this point. No, me neither. This was, I think this was just all around a pretty good episode. Yeah. Yeah couple moments that you know are a tad too um cheesy but overall really good episode they always do that (laughs) what else is new thanks for listening to this week's episode if you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media we're on instagram and tiktok at rewitched underscore pod you can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com and join us back next time for season one episode 14 secrets and guys